The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, this is James from Cave Dweller Music. You're here on the podcast with me today. Unfortunately, my co-host Brendan could not be here today, but that's okay because we do have a guest. She goes by the name Gold Girl, based in Chicago, and she is a extremely talented singer, dancer, and content creator. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes, thanks for the amazing intro. I'm so happy to be uh, here. Anytime. Do you want to just tell people a little bit about sort of what you do, what your music's about, and uh, where you sort of come from? Yeah, so um, I make metal music currently with the band Electric Mothership, but I'm also doing um, solo projects with Steve Gaiety of Black Market Democracy, and most recently did a track with um, Devin Clara for the project Serval Initiative. That's my most complex track that I've ever been a part of, um, like crazy time signatures and uh was really had to um pull my sight reading skills out of <laughs> out <laughs> from the trenches because yeah that was really complex but um I uh, make a mix of the like, psych rock crust punk and um just trying to go for um melodic but still hard so that like soft but rough kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And then you you obviously have, uh, at least from a dance perspective, some hip-hop influences there. Oh, yeah. I'm actually um artist-in-residence at Ragdale, um, really carving out a dance piece about my life growing up as a Panamanian-American. Um, I grew up doing folkloric dance from Panama. And uh, so shout out to my Latinos out there. And... Um, Grew up in having to wear like full costumes, and these are like historical, almost um, eighteen hundred style dress as like a five year old. Wow! <laughs> and yeah, did that for um, many many years, and then discovered hip hop when I was like sixteen through the internet. But like, this was like proto internet, you know. There's no YouTube. <laughs> There's dial up. I'm still using, you know, that was the dial up days. And um, got really involved with breakdancing and the street battle scene. And uh, in that world, I'm, I have a different name. And um, that's my name there is Natural One. And okay. I'm still known as Natural in the Vogue scene. Um, I practice Old Way Vogue. And nice. um, yeah, not I'm not currently competing at the moment because I um, had a, a knee surgery earlier this year. But that's part of why what I'm doing at my residency is just taking care of my body, stretching, you know, going for walks and then working on this piece out here. Awesome. How's the, uh, how's the knee healing? It's, you know, it's getting there. So I'm like six months in on like a one year rehab process and, um, you know, getting a lot stronger. I can like walk normally. Like if you like just met me, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't really think anything of it, but, um, mm-hmm. but then, you know, I'll take a step too hard going down the stairs or something like that. And it's like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but, mm-hmm. uh, feeling, feeling good though. It's getting a lot better. 
That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, the Panamanian stuff, does that tie in, like, does it influence your, I guess, your modern stuff that you've done? Is, it, is the influences there, even if subtle? Absolutely. Um, one of my uh, non-metal tracks, it's a house track, um, is based on a folkloric Panamanian song and um, definitely have plans to include more um, of like the costume aspect. So wearing um, a headdress or we have um, part of the Panamanian culture is a character called Diablo Sucio, which means mm-hmm. dirty devil in Spanish. And it's um, it's a masked dance. And the, the masks are usually different kinds of animals, but they're like sort of caricatured to be sort of evil looking like a devil and um, trying to bring more of that into like visuals and music videos and stuff like that. Definitely. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's some, um, there's some of it um, in, so the full take a break smoke a fatty video isn't out, but there's a scene where we're at the Mad Hatter's tea party table and there's like one of my devil masks there. And I, just threw everything I could into that project. So. <laughs> yeah. And that's the one where uh, if people want to sort of get a taste for it, there's a 32 second trailer on yeah. your uh, YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a trailer up on my Gold Girl YouTube page and then also um, on my Instagram. And then on that YouTube channel as well, I did see that you had, uh, it's like a 40 minute video uh, about Chicago street performing. Yeah, yeah. So that was shot maybe like 10 years ago and didn't come out till like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe like last year we put that out or something. <laughs> um, and so, so, you know, I'm coming out of this folkloric background and I say that because I'm used to wearing, it, it made me grow up used to wearing elaborate costumes in front of people. <laughs> right, right. And, and that's the, sort of what street performing is. And um, the name Gold Girl comes out of that era. Um, okay. When I was street performing, I would darn all gold. I was a, Some people call me Golden Lady. Um, but that was my thing, was wearing gold. And um, I did that for like full time for like maybe like four or five years. Wow. And wow. Just, the, that was like <laughs> that's a whole capsule of time in itself just like the street people that I met in order to like learn the craft um shout out to Chicago 10 man um taught me pretty much everything I knew he's like he's been street performing for going on 30 years and wow he's definitely like a Chicago street icon where people will come here just to like see him on uh, michigan avenue and Ten man um, as in painted silver like pretending to be robotic silver. type thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. yeah nice yeah. <laughs> it takes so much patience to do that yeah yeah it it does it definitely um will help form your character character <laughs> <laughs> building i'll say especially when it's getting cold and I mean, the good money is during like the hardest um, weather times of the year. So like you're, the best money is during Christmas and then uh-huh. like July 4th weekend, Independence Day weekend um, when it's like, you know, Christmas, it's pretty cold. It's snowing and we're out there holding these poses 
And then um, July, it's like the opposite. It's like 100 degrees outside and you just constantly have to take breaks so that you're hydrated and you don't fall off your box. And yeah. <laughs> if you could, if you had any, like, uh, I guess if you spoke to someone who wanted to get into street performing, what would be like one or two of the top tips that you could give them? Get your license because you don't want to go through all the trouble of setting up and then have to move or avoid the cops or whatever. Um, and in Chicago, particularly, there are boundaries of where you can. So like learn the map and get your license. And then for people who specifically want a human statue, um, it's not just spray paint. So be prepared to paint, paint with paint. <laughs> um, I used about five to seven layers of um, interior latex paint. Oh, wow. And then spray paint is like the final layer. And, but, you know, it'll start, it, it's just like, you know, painting on canvas. So you, you prime whatever outfit you're going to use, you prime it. Um, I usually use an alcohol water mix and then I'll either use primer or if I don't have primer, I'll just go with the, the latex paint. The hardest layer is the first layer because the clothes will absorb a lot of that paint. Okay. Um, but then after that, it's just like waiting for it to dry and then, you know, keep adding layers. And the goal is for the clothes to be able to support themselves. So like, you know, you're done when you can just stand up your suit or dress or whatever you're doing and it can just like stand up on its own. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Crusty. Uh, yeah. A lot um, of people think you just spray paint clothes and I just want to dispel that myth because it's actually like. Takes like a day to make a suit. So. Wow. So I want to talk uh, music for a little bit. What yeah. uh, what kind of inspired you to get into making music? Where did that passion come from? Um. Well, it's dance and music have always been a part of my life. Um, my mom's an actor dancer, and she's the one who got me involved in doing folklorico and performing. And um, and then my dad um, was a trained opera singer and. Um, radio host and just always you know there's always singing and music and dance like in the house or like you know if my mom was having her girlfriends over there'd be like salsa music playing or like my dad would be like working on the car and there's like some soul R&B playing Um, so it's just always around me and then when I came to Chicago and discovered house music I was like oh my god I want to be a house singer like this is (laughs) is what I want to do I want to be the water like (laughs) <laughs> and um like just started so i used to be obsessed with Cra- with craigslist i used to find like <laughs> random <laughs> the most random connections to craigslist and like one of them was a house there was a native american house dj who used to nice. hang out at this music studio called paragon studios and this was in fulton market and i think it's now like it's not there anymore. That whole area has been changed. I think like Google is in there now and it's really like super oh, wow. scale. So at the time it was just this like warehouse building and they had a music studio in there. And I would just hang out. And that was like my in to like the, the industry in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't get into like singing. I didn't even know I could scream until like late. Like, I mean, I was probably like 24, 25 when I like, found out I could act like I could scream and and once I 
did it in front of people, I was like, oh, this is what I got to do. <laughs> this is what I got to do. I thought I wanted to be a house singer, but actually I want to keep screaming. <laughs> I guess it's a little different to, to like stand and sing. It's like you have... It's like, what is the situation when you accidentally find out you can scream really well, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't know if I was doing it well, but it was the fact that I did it. And uh, so the first time I screamed was actually for a dance piece. And the, the choreographer wanted me to scream because in reaction to someone being shot, like as part of the piece. And this was like, you know, the the high pitch shrieking kind of like Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween kind of scream queen scream. And okay. I did it in the Chicago Culture Center, which was really echoey, like the other room I was in. And so um, when I did the scream, I could like hear, hear like bouncing off the walls and like, and everybody gasped and I could like hear that too. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh wow, like that was really cool. Okay. And then just like, forgot about it. And then like a week later, I I have been, so during this time I had also been singing in, um, I did a lot of backup singing when I first started singing. So Mm -hmm. I was in, um, I did backup for a soul artist named TJ Brown. (laughs) And then, um, oh, excuse me. Then ended up singing with like a funk group um, called Baby Brother and doing their backup vocals as well. And so the guitarist in that group um, wanted to make a punk song. And so like a week after I did that screaming for the dance piece, he asked me to scream for his punk song. So I was like, sure. I mean, I just screamed last week, so I can do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And then we performed that song. I can't remember like what club it was. I, I don't really remember. But one of the people there was someone I did backup singing with for TJ Brown. And we hadn't spoken like in like five years at this point. Um, but little did I know she had started a metal band named Sever Tether. Okay. You know, so like we both went from being like backup singers for like soul, R&B, funk kind of stuff. And then, yeah, so she, she um, her name is T.G. Nee and she was in a band called Sever, Sever Tether and, and saw me perform this punk song and was like hey do you want to audition for my metal band because i guess she didn't tell me this at the time but she was leaving the band so okay so i was like sure i mean i just screamed in this punk song i was trying out for a metal band and and i remember the day because it was like it was raining it was raining so hard i had like rain all the way up to my ankles um going to this place called the chocolate factory on the west side of chicago and I auditioned and they really weren't feeling me. And the only person who did like me was the guitarist. And the guitarist was like, was like, stick would stick with me. And so eventually me and the guitarist made a zealy. And then we had like a five, six year run as a metal band. And like right. through a zealy, the when I was in a zealy, that's how I really learned how, how to scream and like um watch the zen of screaming dvd and i mean i also have a background in choir so mm-hmm. i knew about like vocal exercise and stuff like that and sight reading um so it was really just taking those exercises and making them specific for screaming and um that's when i really started to like feel like oh, okay i'm in my element like this is really what i want to 
what I want to do. That's awesome. What a story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a lot of twists and turns are unexpected there. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, you never know. And um, the people you meet, like where they're going to take you. And you also exactly. never know who's watching. So. I've been saying this like for a long time. I think everyone should kind of like learn this is that so much about the music industry is connections. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's people that will go to a show, perform and then leave. And I think you're not doing yourself any favors, yeah. um, you know, operating that in that style because it's when you stick around that you meet people from other bands after you perform, you meet people mm -hmm. in the audience and you never know who you meet that could change your career. Right. Especially if you're trying to tour, like those yeah. conditions that could be, you know, you're opening for them in another city or vice versa. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just like, it, it makes you look good to the scene when right. you support the scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what about uh, specific like musical inspiration or taste? Who are there any artists in particular that kind of inspired your music that you've created over the years? Definitely Straight Line Stitch. Um, Alexis Brown is the lead singer of that band. And she was like the first Black woman I saw who was really screaming and like deep guttural screams, but then also had these very beautiful um, musical vocals. And so like her range is just insane. <laughs> and, um, and then growing up, like I definitely had like a metal light experience um mm -hmm. so definitely flyleaf was huge for me in lincoln park and system of the down and then like in college i started listening to like devil wears prada and it was like but it was also just sort of on the horizon like, i just sort of listened to it in my car driving it wasn't mm -hmm. like i was listening to it thinking like oh i'm gonna be a metal singer like <laughs> i didn't even yeah like i didn't even know i could scream until like way later so Right. Um, but yeah, seeing, learning about Straight Line Stitch was definitely huge for me because I just didn't really see any other like African American, Afro Latino um, lead singers. So lead female singers too. One that comes to mind really from back in that period is uh, Bad Brains. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so, I get that. <laughs> I hear about Bad Brains a lot. Um, most recently, I got into a band called Death. And, um, yeah, but, uh, but I think a lot of people, people need to know about Alexis Brown because she's sort of in the, she was out at the same time, like when the park was out and stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. I actually don't, I actually don't know her. So I'm going to have to look it up after yeah, this. Straight line stage, straight line stage. And I can't think of her name now, but there was this other, I was like on the tip of my tongue. But she's um, married Yellow Wolf, the rapper. He was like uh, more like pop rock um, kind of singer. But all Fifi Dobson, there she is. Fifi Dobson okay. was like so big for me. Also, like yeah, as a, a young black girl, I was I saw her and I was like, oh, that's so cool. But then, but at that time, I didn't really think, oh, that's what I want to do. I just like, oh, that's really cool that she does that. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you see it as like, uh, I guess, something that's changing in recent years that there's more young like uh, African-American women who are pursuing yeah. that path? I do. I think Afropunk had a lot with um, at least raising awareness that there's even a scene out there. 
Um, and I, it's gotten so much momentum these last few years. Um, and then there's also another organization, uh, Punk Black, that um, is also on the rise. And so I think there's just more. I think the Internet helped a lot of Black punks and Black metalheads meet each other and group up together. And I mean, I think the scene is still pretty like spread out, but right. we're getting to know each other like through the internet more for sure. Yeah, I definitely see as well. Um, punk is, is uh, I guess, progressing faster in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, punk's really become a space of diversity in the last few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, always ha- it always has been sort of like four, but mm-hmm. recently it's really uh, expanded that definition. Yeah, and especially um, that, like, punks will, like, fight Nazis and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's amazing. I think, yeah, the the culture of punk is um, really supports uh, racial equity and Mm -hmm. uh, bringing people together. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, As far as music venues go, are there any places in Chicago that you like to play that people should check out? You know, I haven't gotten to play here in a while, but I would like to go back, and that's the Green Mill. I I don't know if they survived the pandemic, uh, um, but there was a group there. So the Green Mill did, but there was a group there called Paper Machete. And okay. the, the Green Mill itself is like a historic jazz bar. Okay. But they brought my metal band in to play, and they bring, like, other punk bands and stuff in there, and the crowd loved it, you know? But it was crazy, like playing metal in this very like ornate historical jazz venue but it's one of my favorite places to play and it's pretty intimate and um it, it's just a it's even if you just go to hang out like it's a really cool um just place to be in awesome mm-hmm. what about uh, i mean okay this is a topic that we talk about basically every podcast that people that come on but uh I'm going to ask you a two-part question because I think I think you might have some interesting answers. Uh, what are some local places in Chicago that uh, you like to eat at that people should check out if they're in the city? Oh, oh my, where haven't I eaten? Oh, gosh. So um, the first place I'm thinking of is uh, if you're into like late night diner kind of stuff, is Steak and Egger. That's right by me. That's also like Stermack and Halstead. And that's just like good old, it's three in the morning and you just got back from the club and you want to eat like breakfast, lunch, or dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my, like one of my go-to spots. Um, And then I really like um, sweets, so like ice cream. And so La Misuacana is like a Chicago ice cream chain. Um, And they have my favorite, one to get is the cookie monster it's like a blue ice cream but it doesn't taste blue <laughs> i don't know what actual <laughs> flavor it is blue. yeah no, like, <laughs> you, know, you see like bubblegum ice cream or something like you sort of exp- like it's pink so you're like okay it looks like bubblegum but this is like blue but it doesn't taste like how i imagine blue it tastes like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and then like a mango nada if you've never had a mango nada yeah try that it's um so the the I don't know Mexi- Mexicans have this it's a spice called chamoy oh, and yeah. yeah so it's like mango and chamoy and it's like candy they put like the candy on the straw and 
yeah. yeah. I, I'll just say I live in San Diego. So. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. you know about that. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I highly, <laughs> I highly recommend that. And uh, yeah, there's like, li- like you just throw a rock and you'll find food. It just like it depends on what you want. Um, I mean, I, I've lived there long enough, so I'm sort of over deep dish and everything. I usually get flat. Uh-huh. And um but you know you can't go wrong with going to Maxwell's for uh like hot dogs or burgers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that one actually. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of famous, right? Yeah, that one's famously Chicagoan for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I uh, I was gonna say I've heard amazing things in general from people I know who've lived or visited Chicago. Basically everyone who goes there says the food is fantastic. So it is. It's so good. It's so good. And they and it's like food from everywhere, like literally every part of the world, mm-hmm. you know, like Ethiopian. Um, there's this great spot that sells arepas. I think it's called Bien Me Sabe. That's downtown. That's mm-hmm. I think that's some um, Venezuelan food. Um, just like you name it, they got it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the other part I wanted to ask you about because uh, you said you. Panamanian obviously is mm-hmm. what are some Panamanian dishes that people should try if they get the chance well I always get so okay a lot of the times I I don't really know any Panamanian restaurants like in Chicago I think there was one but um I don't think it survived the pandemic I normally eat empanadas and um that's like a, a meat turnover that's usually fried but when I make it at home I bake it Mm-hmm. Um, and then tamales are Panamanian tamales are like a lot bigger than Mexican ones. And we wrap it in, um, banana leaf and uh, plantain okay. leaf. And okay. it's usually like, like one is like a full, like a full size meal. Like it's pretty big. Um, but those are like my go-to Panamanian foods are tamales and empanadas. Um, but Panama is really known for its seafood. So okay. if you if you like seafood, it's like you can't go wrong. Everything's fresh and it's good. Nice. Mm-hmm. I uh I spent uh, about uh, how long was it? A week and a half in uh, Costa Rica last year. Oh. And I was curious about how Panamanian food does their chicharrones. Is it because there's different styles? Like the Mexican yeah. style, I'm not the biggest fan of. It's it's more like a, a crackling thick skin, which is fine. Yeah. But the the Costa Rican style is like deep fried pork belly, and it's incredible. Um, what's the Panamanian way of doing it? You know, I'm not gonna lie; I haven't really had chicharrones in Panama. I literally, oh, okay, I eat like big ass seafood plates. Nice, nice. <laughs> you know, yes. they just like take a whole fish and fry that thing, and throw it on the plate, and it's perfect. And, yeah, I think I, um, I ate my body weight in Costa Rica and fresh seafood. It was, <laughs> it was so good. And, you know, and a thing that I think surprises a lot of people in about, like, tropical cuisine is that, um, or at least in Panama anyway, we're big on soup. Soup is, like, uh-huh. a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which, <laughs> considering how hot and humid it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's I mean, it's the same. It's the same in Southeast Asia as well. You look at Southeast Asia and so many different soup dishes, even though it's tropical weather as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I mean, yeah, soup in Panama is super good. It's like something like my grandma used to make. Uh, I remember that vividly. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
Um, my co-host who isn't here wanted me to ask you about uh, like the content creation kind of side of things that you do, like uh, all the videos and the like, stuff you put on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have you been doing that sort of thing for? Um, I mean, I would say I've been getting into it more consistently, like two years, you know, like really not that long. Before then, it was just sort of like, I was using it more to post my street performer, um, my street performer content. Sure. Um, but then as I started moving into music more, I've, I've been curating it to be more of a music page. And um, I've been learning a lot about how to use my desktop instead of my phone for everything. That's like, right. that's probably the biggest um, thing with when it comes for me anyway, when it comes to create the um, curating content, because uh, just working on this, the phone is such a small workspace and it's great for certain things. But um, at a point, if you, you know, I've gotten to this point now where I'm not shooting stuff and posting it and shooting stuff and posting it. Like mm-hmm. I'll shoot it and it'll go on my hard drive and then I'll start editing it. And then I'll have like four or five videos that I then schedule out versus what I used to do, which is sort of like shoot and post and shoot. And post. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, there's like a whole other side to my content creation that <laughs> um, is uh, more like fetish related. And okay. so out of my hip hop dancing, um, there's a style of dance called the robot. I'm sure you've seen people do the robot. Uh-huh. Um, it comes from the funky funky robot um from the 70s and i'm going to shout out demita joe she's one of like my huge um dance inspirations but someone saw me doing the robot and <laughs> little did i know there's a whole fetish community attached to like dancing like a robot acting like a robot minding really? a robot doing robotic movements i did not know that and so i made content for that as well yes and that actually like influenced how I started presenting my like gold girl stuff, like my music stuff. Um, because it just got me into that mindset of like, Oh, like this is how it's done. Like, you, like, I don't know. It just changed my mindset of like how to approach presenting um, myself on social media. And so I started making these robot videos and people started buying them. And I was just like, Oh, <laughs> this is a thing this is a community <laughs> I wow I, yeah it's a niche you found your niche yeah, i found a niche and so it's like it's crazy because you know like i sing metal and then like i robot and <laughs> also like thinking about how i want to incorporate like my robot character into like a music video or something like that um uh cool. yeah so Definitely doing like the fetish content influenced how I present my music stuff now because it just um, put me in that mindset of, oh, this is a video. Like this is like, this isn't like just like my lifestyle blogger. I'm just sort of like, hey, it's me. Hi, guys. Like, I'm actually like making something. Right, right, right. Interesting. I, I had no idea about that. That's fascinating. It's, neither did I. And then I just, yeah, I got that message and I started doing my research <laughs> and got involved in the internet forums and stuff and then it just uh-huh. like yeah, so. how big is the following and community for that i mean it's pretty small but they're very loyal uh-huh. it's sort of like metal right, right. you know what i mean like uh-huh. you know when like once you have your following it's like they're a very loyal uh, group of people so Interesting. Okay. 
<laughs> I only had a couple more questions for you, but the next one I did want to ask. Um, you mentioned a couple of bands, obviously in your local area and artists and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But if people were to check out or look for some bands from Chicago that they should support or listen to, who do you think they should look for? Um, well, definitely my girl Angel and her band Alenia. Um, I got to give a shout out to them. Um, Black Market Democracy. I'm currently working with Steve Gady from that band. I'm not sure if they're active, but um, I'm still going to shout them out. And uh, The Breathing Light. Um, they We used to play with that. Uh, when I was in Azili, um, we would play with Breathing Light. We, we were often on the same bill a lot of the time. And um, one last one is a Bussy Queen Power Trip. I freaking love them. Amazing right. like, ball of energy. Brianna Tong is the lead singer of that band. And I actually, we did. Um, so I, uh, when I really got into screaming, I like won this grant to do scream workshops and like teach other people how to scream. Cool. And so I have this, yeah, I have this like background of like, of, of teaching people as well. I did like some girls rock stuff and then Brianna approached me about um, teaching her. And I just thought that was like really cool. She was humble enough to just like come to me and be like, Hey, let me learn some stuff from you. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I would say those bands for sure. Check them out. Um, Bussy Queen is really active. They're probably the most active of that group. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is the tough question. I ask everyone this that comes on the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you were stranded on a desert Island, and all you had with you was a solar-powered Discman and three CDs that you had to listen to on repeat. You don't know how long until you got rescued. What would you want to have? Definitely Fear Inoculum. That's like the first one that's coming to mind. Um, my second one would definitely have to be... So in um, Panama, we have an African style of music called Congo. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to it a lot out here. So I would just need a CD of Congo tracks. <laughs> Let's see, Fear Inoculum, Congo Track, and mm, I don't have a good drum and bass album, but drum and bass is like, like liquid drum and bass is what I listen to on a daily basis. <laughs> but I just like throw random shit. I'm just sort of like, hey, like the, the DJ that I follow is named like DJ Wildchild, but yeah, definitely those three. Yeah, like Fear Inoculum, some Panamanian Congo music, and then like a liquid drum and bass, something this, like that. Nice. Some yeah. good variety there. It's, uh, some people give like three of the exact same sounding music. I'm like, you're going to be there forever. <laughs> you want something. Yeah, I mean, I'm so all over the place. My my musical things <laughs> are all over the place too. <laughs> Well, you, you actually, you're pretty, indeci- you're pretty decisive because some people take a very long time to answer that question. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I just I just know what I like. And I also like really like Survivor shows. So I feel like I'm prepared. I do too. Do, do, you watch, do you watch alone? Um, you know, I only watch it. Oh, no, I don't watch alone, but I do watch uh, Naked and Afraid. Oh, that one's great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah. those shows are so good. I'm obsessed yeah. with those shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I actually just picked up on something, and I'm, I might be guessing here, but uh, you went into a lot of detail about the scream from Halloween. So I want to know: Are you a horror fan? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I knew it because it's like, well, you really described that in detail. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, when I think of like a blood curdling scene, that's sort of like Jean Lee Curtis. That's like the first thing I think of. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's like the classic. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What, what do you watch? Like, what are your favorites for horror? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, what's I haven't seen the new. I definitely like you know, like like torture stuff. So like saw uh-huh. all the like unique puzzles, or like I also on YouTube. There's this channel where they show you how you could get out of those situations. And so I think that's what I like about it is like, oh, like, how would you, how could you get out of that or survive or like, or what have you? Um, Hey, you know, there's a long time to that. I think um, foreign horror is super cool. I'm trying to think of a really good, like Japanese or Korean um the most recent thing that i've actually seen was um the bone woman i think it's called la huesera okay. and that's that was mexican horror and i thought that was cool because like the climax in that movie was essentially a dance piece and i didn't expect that and um there's this style of dance called from japan called buto and okay. it means dance of darkness, and it was like essentially a a, a buto piece, and I was like, oh, that, that just like made me rethink what like a horror climax could be. Um, I, I really like foreign horror as well because different cultures have different things that they find scary. So I think it's interesting to right. see like their take on what's what's scary because sometimes it translates and it's like, whoa, that is scary. And sometimes it doesn't, but you still find it fascinating. Right, yeah, and, and like Netflix has so much, like not the Netflix, but I have it has like a. I've been seeing more foreign horror since um, just like it's just more available, ready like available. Yeah. So I really have to like look for it before like go on some like weird site or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I just think like with video subscription sites, it's like there's just way more access to the foreign everything. And do then, you okay. um do you shudder? Yeah, I just added Shutter. I just added Shutter. Like me and my so like me and my best friend, we we watch horror movies like pretty regularly. Uh-huh. Like at least like once or twice a week we're like, oh like, let's on like a horror movie or whatever. And so like now I'm trying to like think of like names and stuff and I'm like, oh my god, I've seen so many. <laughs> it kind of blurs um, together sometimes. Yeah, it's like oh, right now. But the the most recent one I saw was the Bone Woman and that was pretty good. Um, I want to see the new Saw movie. I saw the Five Nights at Freddy's. That was fun. That was a good yeah. movie. And um, yeah, I can't believe that they used the uh, Jim Henson studio made those um animatronics. I so I've actually seen those in real life. <gasps> no way! How? Yeah, um, I went to Universal Studios Fright Nights, and they had you know Blumhouse the studio. Yeah, yeah. They they had like a display thing of Blumhouse props, and they had all of the robots from the movie uh, in in the room. Uh, uh-huh. And then they, they also had the doll from Megan, a um, bunch yeah. of props from the, from the new Exorcist movie, and a ton of other stuff. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I wait. Have you seen the new Exorcist movie? Is that worth watching? Uh, I. Uh, I I had really high expectations because the first Exorcist is one of my like top ten movies ever. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I'll I'll say the first half of the movie was like pretty good. I was like, oh, maybe they're going to pull it off, and then the second half really let me down. 
I'm really picky. Some people say they loved it. I don't know. I I wasn't overall. I say it's like a five out of ten. Yeah. But I saw a movie last week that was like the first horror movie in years that made me like genuinely uncomfortable. What was Um, that? Called When Evil Lurks. It's in Spanish. I've been seeing that in my like suggested movies. If you like stuff that's like genuinely disturbing, uh, <laughs> it's it's worth watching. It's got like ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think it's deserved. Okay, okay, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, excited. I'm basically always watching stuff. I think my one of my top ones are um, my top movies: Silence of the Lambs. That's probably like great movie. Yeah, one cool. I could really watch, and it's like because I really like. I like true crime too, and that's sort of like both. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, me too. And they like they kind of tie in together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm also like a big fan of just like gory, crazy stuff, like Hatchet, the Hatchet uh-huh. series. That's like insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the anything that um, oh, there is this one called Nocebo. Have you seen that one? Nocebo, like uh, let's see. Oh, a Phili- Philippine. Uh, no, I haven't seen that one. It's a it's about a Filipina nanny who um, uh, works at this woman's house, but there's like a whole backstory between them, and she's actually there to get revenge. And okay. um, it's sort of like it's very like witchy and magical and stuff, but then also like disturbing. <laughs> oh, it's got uh, Eva Green in it. Mm, yeah and it's like i like that one because it has some like social commentary um like about the relationship between workers and like you know people who work overseas who are making t-shirts and t-shirt factories like that kind of thing like really connecting that it's like oh they're real people and uh, that that disconnect between the bosses and the people who run those places and the workers who actually do the work yeah okay I uh, you said you love the Saw movies, and I, heard, I think I heard you say you hadn't seen the new one I yet. Haven't seen the latest one, yeah. Okay, because friends, uh, friends of mine who were like really picky with horror, who said it's the best one since the first one. Really, I mean, the trailer looked good, and then and then they had the like the uh like no one under seventeen or mm-hmm. <laughs> the maturity yeah. range. I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah, um, a couple of horror buffs I know have said it's really good, so. That's awesome. If you like, if you like it, probably watch that one. I'm, I'm probably going to see it at some point. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to check that out because the trailer just, the trailer was selling. <laughs> the trailer, yeah, was selling. the trailer looked good. I was like, oh, this actually could be good. But, yeah, but also yeah. at the same time, I was like, isn't this like number eleven? Do we need another one? <laughs> right, <laughs> really right. but they made it, and I guess there's. Have you seen the trailers for the Thanksgiving, the new Thanksgiving movie? No. Yeah, I guess it's like a Thanksgiving dinner gone wrong for kind of thing, but that's like a newer movie coming out. Okay, mm-hmm. probably check that out. Cool. Uh, well, we're coming up basically to time here, so I just wanted yeah. to say, obviously, thank you for coming on the show, and really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted to give you a chance uh, to sort of tell people uh, if they want to follow you, support you, listen to your music, any of that stuff, where should they do that? Yeah, so you can definitely follow me on Bandcamp. Um, that's where all of my latest releases are. Uh, Take a break, smoke a fatties on there, and also some uh, tracks from Azili. And then um, the most up to date is my Instagram and um, and then YouTube. If you like the longer form videos, that's where like the 
the landscape format versions of the music videos go is my YouTube page. So yeah, and you can find me um, at Gold Girl Shy C H I. That's my handle on on everything. Also, you can also Google me. <laughs> you can Google me. <laughs> and it's just for anyone who doesn't know, it's two R's, so it's Gold G R R L. Yeah, for the riot girl, girl. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it was great chatting to you, and thank you for, for taking the time. But everyone listening at home, uh, tune in next week. We'll have another guest for you. Thank you.